The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer fan podcast, the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, and a proud member of the Herdat Sports Network. I'm Ben, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Drew. Thanks, Ben. For those new to the show, each episode, Ben and I will sample craft beer, mostly local, some beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. We encourage you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or X at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information. And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or conveniently stream each episode at wannabewalkons.com and click on the podcast in the menu option. On this week's episode, Ben and I will make a return to Jukes Aleworks in Elkhorn, Nebraska, while previewing Nebraska's October 21st home matchup against the Northwestern Wildcats. I'm Drew. And I'm Ben. And this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. So, Drew, we are a few months removed from the uh, Nebraska Podcast Awards, and I got to tell you, it, it still stings that uh, we didn't take any prizes home. Yeah. Um, but I've got good news for you. Okay, let's hear it. I think we're going to win a Grammy, <laughs> and, and, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay. So, this morning, it was about 7.45, and my, uh, my oldest was already downstairs in the basement playing video games, which he does at about 5.45 in the morning. He will sneak down here. Even though he has yeah. uh, a PlayStation in his bedroom, he prefers to play on mine uh, down in the basement. It's it's very cozy down here. I can see it the appeal. It yeah. is. Um, but he's very good about just like sneaking down and then like it, two hours later, we wake up and we're like, how many hours have you logged already today? <laughs> and he's just strung out, eyes bloodshot. Like, Leave me alone. <laughs> now, um, about 7.45, my, uh, my youngest woke up and uh, he stays in his room when he wakes up. And so yeah. we... We get up and we go get him out of his bed and, and uh, start our morning. Well, I went in there and he was kind of smiling and giggling right away. And I was playing off his energy. And so I started doing like a little mouth trumpet. like, a <laughs> And I was, um, I started doing uh, Sir Duke by uh, Stevie Wonder. Yeah, you, I don't you, know that one. You don't know that song? Uh-uh. Okay, well, that's going to ruin this story that oh, you man. also well, don't do, know this song. You- <laughs> I, no, I can't sing it. So I started singing the song. Okay. Um, and he was dancing to it. And... My wife goes, oh, did you make that up? I go, no, that's Sir Duke by Stevie Wonder. 
And she goes, oh, I never heard that song. I thought you made it up. I was like, well, if you think that I'm just on a whim making up Sir Duke <laughs> in the morning, uh, then we're going to win a Grammy. But yeah. uh, apparently you don't know it either. Maybe maybe it's it's like that movie yesterday where nobody knows the Beatles exist. <laughs> nobody knows You're that, the next Stevie yeah, Wonder. Yeah. I'm the next Stevie Wonder. Nice. So, all right. Well, that was a that was a <laughs> joke introduction wasted. Um, I really hope you don't think I'm still bitter about not winning a podcast award too. On that. <laughs> Since we're on it, I just got to clear the air. Apparently, you just needed you needed a setup. I needed You're a setup. Really upset. I needed a segue into uh-huh. talking about. Nobody knowing the song Sir Duke by Stevie Wonder. <laughs> and now I'm wondering if it's a song at all or if I am a musical genius. No, I'm, I mean, I'm sure it is. I know Stevie Wonder's like big hits. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a song that goes, music is a world within itself with a language. We, you not, you don't no, know that song? Nothing. Full of equal opportunity. <laughs> and just yeah. because the record has a groove, don't make it in the group. Ba-da. You know, you don't know that song? No. We, you know how much that's going to cost us to put that in the episode? <laughs> Millions. <laughs> Stevie Wonder, avid listener of, yeah. of this show. Yeah, he's a big Nebraska fan. Really, really is. Yeah. Um, okay, segue. <laughs> Next on the agenda. Good start. Good, great, great. I was like, you know what? I finally got something to like, it's a good story. It's got a funny punchline. It's, it's, and then it's just like, man. So anyways... <laughs> this, is what, this is what happens when it's a bye week. There's there's nothing, and and nobody could go to a pumpkin patch because it was super rainy. Was it? it did um, you not go outside? I didn't. Do you know, know anything? Know. Like, <laughs> just I'm just floating through life right now. Man. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to be feeling like you're kind of on cloud nine. Speaking of floating through, uh, after the the way that this week has gone for your for your baseball squad, the uh, Philadelphia. Uh, what is it? The the Phillies? Is yep. that what they're called? Yep. I'm going to pretend I don't the know anything. <laughs> <laughs> you got a big, big series win in the postseason. We did. Let's, let's get your update. Let's get your weekly Philadelphia Phillies Heck update. Yeah. My baseball hot corner over here. They they took down the uh, best team in baseball, the Atlanta Braves. Well, now the second best team, because I guess you can't be the best if you get knocked out in your first round of the playoffs. Um, so yeah, they took them down, uh, three to one. They won the the final game three to one was super intense, super exciting. You, you were even tuned in there at the end. It was. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so they, they roll on They're They're keeping my, um, my fall, my fall sports heart very happy and (laughs) engaged right now. Um, I think my favorite, one of my favorite storylines with the Phillies, um, is, is Nick Castellanos and his son, Liam. Um, he's, his son is 10 years old, gets to attend almost all the Phillies home games, um, including these playoffs. And, uh, he's, a the, the Phillies have a really cool clubhouse, like a very family oriented, um, clubhouse. And it's, it's very much, uh, it's managed in a way where everybody can be their own person, you, you know, big personalities, um, um, fun loving, just again, like I've, I've said it before, like they're a super fun team to, to watch. Um, and that's a big part of it. But anyway, so Nick Castellanos has a 10 year old son who he doesn't get to see a lot because the baseball season obviously is very, very long and grueling and they're on the road a lot. Um, his family lives in, in Florida. Um, but Liam is, is a prominent member of the team in the sense that he's, he's there in the clubhouse. He's there for the home games. And, uh, before every at bat, Nick Castellanos, you know, he gives him a little fist bump through the nets, 
Um, Liam tells him every time just to knock it out of the park, which is, you know, no He's pressure, doing, but he has been fairly frequently doing that. Um, he became the first, he became the first player in, uh, MLB history to have back to back multi home run games in the playoffs, it's Nuts, which is crazy. And his, and his, um, his son was there for, uh, for both of those games. Um, but yeah, just a, it's just a, it's a cool storyline. Like we talked about Kirkering, um, Orion Kirkering, who is the, who, the pitcher whose yeah. dad was, you know, with the filthy slider, weeping yeah. Through, yeah, weeping through his his debut, and um, this is another fa- father son uh, relationship uh, on that team. Just the opposite, where the the dad's playing ball and the kid gets to come and watch. So, I don't know, man. It's 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 like you said, ro- baseball is romantic, and and um, uh, it's Castellanos has said it. It's hard to. Um, relate to what baseball players do and what they go through and what they experience. Um, but anybody can relate to having somebody you love, um, you know, being away from them, from them or, or being there with them to, to cheer them on and, and um, enjoy success together. So, uh, yeah, it's just another another romantic angle to the game. Yeah. Um, and, and you, we talked about this before, you also kind of get to share that father-son bond through the sport. Too, with oh. your son oh yeah and there's like yeah. that that connection too so i can only imagine that like that the, I mean, it just it just adds like to your level of investment in the drama and the romanticism of baseball too when you're able to have that connection with your kiddo yeah well. it's uh, yeah shared experiences are always wonderful especially when it comes to um yeah sharing them with your kids or, or the ones you love and you know that's the game the game of baseball doesn't matter like you know win or lose um ultimately doesn't matter but spoken but getting, from the winning team <laughs> side <laughs> right, it's easier to say it's a lot easier to say i'm now, sure braves but, fans aren't feeling that but, way <laughs> but it really does i mean the, the experiences that you get to um enjoy with those people count obviously way more and um yeah so that's that's been a fun ride um and getting to do that with him has been a blast. So I have I have a question for you, and I have a comment. Which would you like first? Um, throw the comment at me. Okay, so the comment is, when you watch a team clinch a series in the postseason, and it doesn't matter if it's the wild card round, the divisional round, uh, when they're clinching the pennant or when in a series, are you impressed that I knew all four of those? Yeah, that was yeah. nice. Okay. Yeah. So did you research? I, I did do my research. Um, I'm, I'm always shown and and I and I always kind of remember that these are world class world class athletes in the sense that they can party the way they party <laughs> mid playoff yeah. and then turn around and like start a season or a, a new series 2 days later yeah. it is the most insane thing where if I if I smell one cigar I'm vomiting for a month <laughs> and these guys are like putting down 10 a night they've uh-huh. got a a piss trough full of beer that they are spraying on themselves and on each other. They're <laughs> popping champagne, mm-hmm. and and I'm just thinking, you like, how 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 does your body respond? And it's because they are like that's the that's athleticism, yeah. right? Hitting a baseball is cool, but being able to party like that <laughs> and then turn around and perform with back to back multi home run games like that's where. They are not built like me. 100%. So that's my yeah. comment on okay. this where I just, I watch these <laughs> celebrations and I'm like, good Lord, um, you are built different. There is a, there's a, the Phillies backup catcher. Um, he, uh, he parties like nobody else. And he came out after, um, after they won, I think it was after the season ended and, and going into 
um, the first round. He he hit <laughs> he hit like his first or second home run of the year, and he was hungover. Like, <laughs> he admitted to partying too hard. He got the start the next day, and he hits he hits a home run hungover. Like it's just fucking incredible. How how deep into the game did he hit the home run? Do you know? Can you recall that off? The top I don't of remember your head? because I would imagine being a catcher is a probably a pretty good detox. If you're feeling pretty hungover, True. you're gonna sweat, sweat the hell sweat out of it that. all out. Yeah, yeah you're gonna <laughs> that. They don't need to spray vodka on that the next night to get the smell out because it's like already taken care of for you. Oh like, yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> well, on a more serious note, my question then for you, okay, is how do you feel about this playoff um, structure? Are you gonna ask me about oh the format? I don't. Yeah, no, the See, format. Yeah. The format's the right word, not structure. No, that's well, structure format. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's been a lot of like controversial takes because the yeah three, all the all the three of the four yeah hundred win teams got buys and they all get knocked out um, and they all got beat pretty soundly but like all these teams that are doing well like Houston had a buy and they're they're it's, fine yeah, yeah. like I I I kind of understand the that you could make an argument for it um, but I also think that with the way that baseball is like. Too, I think there's too many teams like the Dodgers, for example, that build these really incredible rosters that are designed to win a majority of their 162 games, but they're not built to win playoff series. Um, like there's, it's you'll hear players and coaches and, and teams talk about this. Like it's completely different playing games in the regular season as it is postseason. And it's nothing to do with the structure. I mean, I mean a little bit of the structure because of the way like pitching rotations line up, but like. You, if you build a team to win in October, you just need to get them there. It doesn't matter how you get them there. You just get into the playoffs, whether you win, win your division or you, you sneak in with the last wild card. Um, certain teams are built to win in October. Like the Phillies are built to win in October. They knew they weren't going to catch the Braves in the regular season. That's not That wasn't their goal. Um, but they were built to win playoff series. And so I don't, I don't buy that whole, you know, if a team gets a buy, they're going to come out rusty sort of argument. Um, I, I kind of feel like too fucking bad. Like, don't come out rusty. Yeah, yeah. If you're, I mean, so you're, like, if you're one of the best teams in baseball... Be, yeah, then continue to be great. To me, to me, the argument is, like, okay, so you've won 100 games. Well, is that your goal? Is your is that your goal is to win 100 games? Or is your goal to win the World Series? Yeah. You know what I mean? So this, this argument... So I'm on your side where I'm like, I... If this is the format, you have to play to the format, right? You have to play to the structure of the postseason. Yeah. And I feel like college football, we're going to start to see similar arguments, right? We're going to start to see these teams that go undefeated in the regular season, and then um, they show up in the postseason, they get that bye, they lose that first round, and it's like, well, these dog teams who go 10-2 and two and fight their way into the playoff, and they're hungry for it, yeah. and, and they had to almost face more adversity because they have losses on their schedule. So now the way that they win matters more than just winning. Like the, the, the best team wins on Saturday or the best team wins when the two teams show down. And so you can't say, you oh, the Braves were the best team in baseball this year if they're not the ones hoisting the trophy at the end. Right. Right. They might have been a great team in the regular season. They might have had the best record going into the postseason. But basically when the scoreboard resets to zero to zero, like – You've already won the like twelve teams in baseball, right? Is it twelve that go mm-hmm. to the so yep. twelve teams won the regular season? Yeah, right. Yeah. So who cares who had the the more or less wins? It's the same thing when it comes to playoff football. You look at like when the Giants with Eli Manning won the Super Bowl. They were a wild card team. They weren't a good team in the regular season, 
But like you said, they did enough. And so I don't, I'm, I'm on your side. I don't care. I'm like, once you're there, like gloves are off. Let's, let's play. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I honestly, that's what I love about baseball. And that's, I mean, this is March Madness is another one where yeah. it's like, like it's the sport people, in its purest form, yeah. right? Like two teams show up and nothing like history doesn't fucking matter. Just play. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's yeah, like I said, it's just it's a, it becomes a different game. It's like and it's it's like being up twenty nine nothing in the first half of a game, <laughs> and then losing in this in the back half of a game. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like it, no one cares what you do in the first part of the game; they care how you finish. Yeah, you know, that's so. a good. I'm glad that you snuck that in there. That was I don't know what you, very I, well. I just, I'm just it's it was just something that kind of yeah random numbers and I, yeah yeah absolutely so. Well, that is postseason baseball. I hope we get to continue this conversation next week, talking about more wins, both uh, on a baseball side as well as a, a football side. Yeah, but hopefully. Before we get into talking about this Northwestern matchup, um, which should be an interesting one to say the least, uh, we got to talk about what we're drinking. Yep. And take it away, man. You're the one who all who brought this uh, to the table, and I've got some words that I want to share about this. All right. Um, but I want to hear a little more background behind it first. For sure. Yeah. So uh, like we said in the uh, opening, we're doing Jukes Aleworks again. Um, I think one of our favorite breweries in the state. Um, this one, I it's, a, it's the Commer Kolsch. It's the Golden, uh, or Jukes Commer Kolsch. It's one that I picked up at the Oktoberfest out in, uh, at 505 Brewing uh, the other week. Um, so Jukes, on their website, this is just what they say about it. It's named after the historic Golden Commer or Golden Chamber. In the city of Cologne, this lovely ale was brewed entirely with Weyermann Cologne-style malt, pale malt, and bark Vienna, uh, with thoughtful additions of Tetnang in the kettle. Fermented low and slow with our favorite Kolsch strain, uh, followed by over a month of lagering, brewed to be as close to style as we could achieve to the Kolsch found in the city of its origin. Um, the, I had to look up what the Golden Chamber was. Have you ever heard of the Golden Chamber in Cologne, Germany? I have not, but I uh, have no doubt that with it being Kyle Jukes, <laughs> it is something wildly right? weird. It's so weird. Um, it, it might be something slightly or overtly sexual. Um, <laughs> Actually, yeah. And, um, yep. Uh, and it's something where you stop and go, God damn it, I love that guy. Yes. Okay, perfect. So, you su- actually summed it up very well. Um, so there's a, the Basilica Church of St. Ursula in Cologne, Germany. Um, they have a room called the Golden Chamber, uh, and it houses the eleven. It houses the bones of the eleven thousand virgin virgins of Saint Ursula. Oh my god! So Kyle. <laughs> that's the legend. <laughs> but it so it houses actual human bones. They don't know how many actual people there are, and they, the the I don't know Saint Ursula and her eleven thousand virgins, uh, whatever that's about. Obviously, I think that number got blown up a little bit over yeah. time. Um, but yeah, so this, this chamber has, it just has bones, human bones arranged in like different patterns and shapes and old Latin words, just all over the walls. They've got human skulls, um, that are decorated and out on display. And that's, it's just a room full of just dead bones, people, dead bones, dead bones. Yeah. (laughs) Just a dead bone virgin room. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yep. Again, uh, if, if, if you have not followed jukes ale works on facebook which is or instagram it's an incredible follow for beer lovers for uh small business for uh, nebraska omaha elkhorn specific restaurant tours 
it's a wonderful place to eat, to drink. Um, but Kyle, their, their brewmaster, Kyle Jukes is also an incredible person to have a conversation with or, or just sit back and let him take the, take the steering wheel on the conversation. When we first met him to anytime I get a chance to interact or see him interact with folks, uh, it's, it's those kinds of things where like he, he's bringing artistry into making beer and this beer, which is a quote unquote common beer, a very basic style, um, really sings in the hands of someone like Kyle Jukes. What I really like about this, and, and you hear us say like multi-backbone quite a bit, and I think that that is kind of the base note of this beer, but where it really differentiates from a lot of these kind of style uh, lagers and ales is the bright citrus that yeah. creeps through on this one that doesn't taste like a hoppy citrus. It tastes like a, a, a lemon peel extraction where there's like this kind of waxy warmth um, and just really kind of bright flavor where it's not sour, it's just citrus. And I, I got that immediately on this one. So this is this is an incredible beer for something that you go, oh, Kolsch? Okay, it's just a Kolsch. Yeah. It's not just a Kolsch. Like, clearly the love that he went into that description was a fraction of what went into making this beer. So I'm very grateful you brought this back. But man, what a what a knockout this one is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, this is one that, like... Uh they had a, they had a really great lineup of beers on tap at, at their at 505's Oktoberfest and um but yeah I wasn't going to I wasn't going to say no to the opportunity to have Jukes and um and to bring some back and to share it with you and you described it perfectly my my first impression really was from that citrus that that pops in it um but yeah the the malt is still there it's still very present um and this is just incredibly drinkable like mine almost gone yeah. already and we there's, there's haven't even started talking football so. there's something almost like shandy like to it in, in kind of those notes where it's not i don't i don't want to to over it, it's not the lemonade kind of sweetness of a shandy exactly, it's just yeah. that finishing brightness that you is is indistinguishably like a lemon peel yes um and and i just love it and then one of the things sometimes that we don't always talk about too is the carbonation level of this beer um there's there's a really kind of like fine carbonation to it where it's like small bubble carbonation that adds this real velvety feel to it too so i mean this mm-hmm. thing kind of checks all the boxes of something that's crisp refreshing but also like filling and, and luxurious it reminds me of like a room with eleven thousand virgin bones. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit just just to pick something out of thin air you know so Thank you again yeah. for bringing this back. Oh, and, absolutely. Um, yeah. I highly encourage anyone who who hasn't had the opportunity uh, to go to Jukes Ale Works in Elkhorn. You mentioned, you know, it's one of our favorites. I think, I don't think anyone does barrel-aged beer in this state better than than Jukes. And that was kind of my intro, funny enough, to, to beer because I was a whiskey guy before getting into beer. And so the barrel-aging process, they share a lot of those similar flavors and profiles and, and Kyle is just a mad scientist when it comes to barrel aging and he's always willing to take a risk and a lot of times those pay off. Uh, I've yet to find one that doesn't. Yeah. So. yeah. And, we, and we've said it a million times before, but when you're barrel aging a beer, it all comes down to how, like starting with a quality beer and, a, and, and something that can hold up against the barrel. And, um, you see that evidenced in this, like you wouldn't necessarily, I mean, you could, I guess, barrel age this. Um, but being able to execute, a standard style of beer to this level um it takes some serious skill and experience and talent and passion um and so those are all yeah all very present in this one also they have my favorite chicken sandwich oh in, the, is it the nashville? the nashville yeah 
Um, I have a, so this is a complete side tangent. This has nothing to do with, I put my beard down. I was like, this is, (laughs) I got a bone to pick with just the world in general. Okay. I, I have a frustration. I like spicy food. I really like spicy food. I like when spicy food like makes the back of my head tingle. I like it when it's like like real heat where you start to get kind of an endorphin rush. Okay, from, that's from a wild it. sensation. It really is. It's it's oh. a very specific like, okay, this is hot. And sometimes you go to a restaurant and they're like, this is our five, five alarm Diablo asshole fire burger. <laughs> and you bite it and you're like, all they did was put pickled jalapenos on it. And they're like, this is spicy. Now I know to some folks, pickled jalapeno is, is spice enough. That's all they want. It might be too spicy. I respect mm-hmm. that. I understand that. But if you're going to say like, this is our spicy item on the menu. You're going to put a little little flame emoji next to it on the menu or something like that. You better deliver. In that Nashville hot chicken sandwich, that thing delivers. Yeah. Like, it is spicy. And, like, it, it's, it's, I always describe it to my wife. I'm like, this is, this is as spicy as you can get in a restaurant that, that is accessible, like, to the masses, mm-hmm. but also delivers on the promise. Any spicier and like you're in a territory where people are going to like be like, I don't fucking want that. Like, take, <laughs> you need to take that back. But like, it is it is that level spicy where it's like I can get a good spice rush without it being obnoxious because it still delivers 100 percent on flavor and crispness. They got that good ranch. Like, it's it's a good <laughs> sandwich. So I highly encourage that Nashville hot chicken sandwich nice. from okay. Jukes. I've never had it, but I am very careful about eating spicy food in public because I also I enjoy spicy. Um, but but my body's reaction is just to like unleash all the all the fluids like oh you just, just sweat sweat and snot and just oh I, I'm a mess and uh, and I look miserable and probably it probably scares people maybe even a little bit too <laughs> that guy that guy very like, clearly we, yeah. has a new strain of COVID yeah. <laughs> and it's like no I'm really enjoying this like this tastes great <laughs> it's just that my body is trying to kill me like it's saying we should be we should stop because we're gonna die. I'm and so, fine. I swear I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, so I only I only do um, I usually only do spicy food when I'm alone. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I I can un- yeah, understand yeah. That. safety of your home. No one judges you for the number of napkins or the number of times you gotta get up and blow your nose or something exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm yeah. with you. I got a, I got another funny about spicy food. Um, one night, my my parents were over um, seeing our kids and and my wife and I, and they were like, let's let's order dinner. We'll we'll order some takeout, and I won't say where we got takeout from in this specific example, because it's not, um, something that sounds very good for the restaurant. Uh, Uh, but we got, we got takeout and my wife ordered a crunchy chicken wrap, uh, and she ordered it spicy. Okay. And when I mention the amount of spice that is like that, that is appropriate for a takeout restaurant. Um, this was not it. This was violent and this was aggressive. (laughs) And my, my, Poor sweet wife was sitting there eating this wrap silently while we're all having conversation at dinner. And uh, she was eating very slow, like taking very little bites after starting off with pretty decent sized bites. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Ash, you, you barely ate your your food. And she goes, this is so spicy. <laughs> and I went, let me try it. I took a bite of this thing and my mouth was hurting for like a half hour. <laughs> It was like someone put pure capsaicin in a chicken wrap and then sent it out the door. Like it was a, it was prank level hot. <laughs> and, and gosh, uh, we all laughed so oh, hard yeah. because 
my, my parents were like, it's oh, if you didn't like it, you could just say so. She's like, I just didn't want to be mean when you got us to. <laughs> and I mean, it was, it Your was, wife. it was so bad and it didn't even taste good. Like it wasn't one of those where it was like, this is spicy, but it tastes good. It was just like someone clearly had a, a jar of capsaicin oil or something like that. Or and a vendetta like, against, against her. Yeah. yeah. Did you, when you took your bite, did you go for it though? Oh, were, of course. Were you just like, you were like, well, how bad can it be? Well, because again, I've had this restaurants like their five alarm and their spicy stuff. And I've had like their hot chicken sandwich and stuff like that. I've never had anything that I've even had their most spicy wings mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, we all, you got to sign a waiver and, you know, kind of <laughs> crap like that. Yes. And I was like, this is fine. Like this is it's yeah, I get that it's spicy, but it's not like aggressive. And I took a bite of this like. Oh, I I like spicy food. And I was like, I don't like this spicy food. <laughs> I do not like this at all. And I, I was like, I cannot believe you ate as much of that as you did. And she's like, I just, I did not want to be mean. I oh. really, And so, yeah. If, if you're curious where it was, I'll tell you off the mic. Okay. But I'm I not going to tell you. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. So anyways, I think, uh, I think it's almost time for us to start talking about some football. But before we do that, we want to take a quick moment to talk about our very special show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. Longtime listeners of the show know Wannabe Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska. The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer through promotion, education, and events. October is Drink Local Nebraska Month. The Guild is challenging Nebraskans to consume nothing but Nebraska-produced beers, hard ciders, and seltzers throughout the month. The Guild... Should say is, (laughs) but it says I. I. (laughs) The Guild... I... (laughs) The Guild is proud... (laughs) It is proud of the delicious brews being put out by the brewing industry and the economic and social impact they are making in their communities across the state. You can visit Nebraska.beer and check out the Guild's new website, which has excellent resources for finding Nebraska craft beer, cider, and seltzers near you. Okay, I've got to say something about these fucking errors that have been creeping up all season. So... Yes, on our intros uh, and our outros and some of these things, I tend to do copy and paste and uh-huh. I flip who says what so that it's not the same every week. Yeah. And I said this week, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to retype everything out for this episode because I want it all to be crisp and clean and nice Fresh. and I don't want yeah. there to be any issues. You can see where it says the guild I proud of should say the guild <laughs> is proud of. And you can see as well, is that an uppercase I or a lowercase I? It's a lowercase I. So clearly I had the stroke <laughs> where the S was and somehow it got deleted or like I just, I, I knew what I was doing, man. I made such an effort. Nobody's doubting you. Nobody's doubting you. I'm doubting you. You know me. what? You're, you like, like Nebraska football, you're halfway through the season. Can I, can I be, and you can I stop you right there? Yeah. I don't want to be a metaphor. <laughs> I don't, no. I don't want Nebraska okay. football success to be a metaphor <laughs> for anything I do right now. Like, I appreciate it. <laughs> I get where you're going. Yeah. But uh, it ain't gonna make me feel better. It's okay. You do good. I probably could have figured that out if I was, if I was a little bit, I don't know, better at this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, or, it's obvious what it's supposed to say. So is it? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, drink Nebraska beer. All right. Let's talk about <laughs> some Husker football now that we're 30 minutes into this. Oh, God. You guys have, have been kind enough to listen and still be listening if you're still there. Um, Nebraska Northwestern, October 21st, 2.30 in Lincoln, Nebraska. Matt Rule versus David Braun. 
That is a that is a matchup that people have been clamoring to see. One hundred percent. That is this. That's the spicy matchup. It really is that we all want. When this season started, everyone said, "I can't wait to see these two guys." <laughs> the Big Ten West is so weird, man. Like, what weird's a, a nice way to put it. it what a shit show! <laughs> <laughs> this half of the conference looks like this season, oh, and man. yet it's some of my favorite football I've watched in a very long time. Oh yeah, it's you so, never know what the fuck's gonna happen. It's so ugly, and it's and it and it honestly, it's earned a national spotlight. Now as the season has progressed, people are like, "You guys watch this every week," <laughs> and we're like, yeah, "Yeah, we do, and we love it, and it's our favorite, and we are gonna be sad when it's gone." Oh man, yeah. When you're yeah, when you're in it, like there is something very special about this division like outside looking in i can completely understand why anybody would choose not to watch yeah like would absolutely do everything they could to avoid watching like i love it iowa versus illinois but it is tasty it might be a good match tasty right everything every that's it every single matchup that you throw out there it's like that could be good like like, that could be that could be that could be terrible or that could be the game of the year exactly <laughs> yeah and uh and i think like as of right now most most of the division is still in contention for that top spot yeah uh well when so. you have when you have teams like uh like illinois beating maryland getting a win that they should not have got god that was yeah or or you've got a showdown like iowa and wisconsin that leaves everyone feeling confident for the rest of their season thinking nobody nobody i mean matt rule said it best we can beat everybody and nobody can't beat us yeah it, it really is that way. And I think every team is that exact same way. There's some some teams that have some advantages that like Iowa, for example, does know how to score without an offense. So if their offense does start to, to click or find some semblance, it's not, I mean, <laughs> Come on. you know what I mean? Like there are teams that if they emerge in the second half of the season playing up to maybe their talent level, their promise level, something like that, that they could pull away. But you just don't know, and that's like even when we're preparing for these, I'm like, I have no idea. Yeah, you know what's you know what's crazy to me is that Iowa is like the front runner when it comes to figuring out how to win the Big Ten West. Like, just go go all in on defense, be so- sound in special teams. Who needs a fucking offense? Why don't they just punt on first down? <laughs> for real. Like I know that joke has been made. I'm not joking. Just punt it down there and then and then hope for a mistake or pin pin them back. Just pin them back every yeah. time. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, but yeah, Iowa is a as a as a revolutionary, you know, team. Uh, is is mind blowing to me. And they're in the I think they're in the driver's seat now. Yeah, they um, are. So they, they totally just, are. Which no surprise there. To be honest, like that's kind of that's what everyone said. To, that's to, what would happen. It was between year. Iowa and Wisconsin, and you got to think that when you've got a coaching staff that's been together as long as Iowa has in this conference, some of them since birth. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> some and of them, I guess, haven't even cut them. the cord. You know, <laughs> so Nebraska takes on Northwestern on the twenty first at two thirty. Kickoff is on BTN. Um, you know, so we're probably not going to see the first couple of minutes of that game with whatever's <laughs> in front of it uh do you know what the spread is for this game as we as we live in? i know what I, it is oh you do okay i do I, know what it is i do not i was gonna guess nebraska six and a half really yeah for five and a half am i off how far off am i you're well what's funny is like your first guess was almost off by your second guess <laughs> Nuh-uh. yeah it's an 11 and a half point spread in favor of nebraska wow so i think that's interesting wow yeah where's my 
Not to spoil anything. What is it, 11 and a half? Yeah. Did you, is that without your win margin? I've got Nebraska winning by 11. So. Oh. It's almost like what I do don't I have. Wow. Oh, see, I have Nebraska covering that spread. Oh, okay. Not to spoil anything. Okay. But anyway. So I always ask, and the answer is always the same. Where do you want to start? Nebraska defense. Nebraska Just defense? To fuck with you. Okay. Well, right. I had Northwestern's offense first on my sheet, <laughs> which is, I'm not <laughs> even good. kidding. Like Northwestern scouting report, offense. So nice. I was ready for your switch up. Nice. Well done. That's how Let's do fucking it. prepared I am. I is prepared. <laughs> uh, what? Do you, all right, you want me to start? Sure. Okay. For for Nebraska's defense. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> That's what we'll all be doing when Northwestern's offense is out on the field. Um, no, I, Nebraska, I think, needs to play. Their defense needs to play the way they've been playing, which is complementary style football where they just they force Northwestern to throw. I don't think that Northwestern's run game – is anywhere near strong enough to compete with Nebraska's uh, defense in terms of uh, what Nebraska's defense is able to do in stopping the run. Um, a lot of teams we've seen have have abandoned, for the most part, any any uh, notion of, of trying to run the ball on us, and so they do kind of lean on their passing game, um, which plays into our hand. Like, I don't think we have to force Northwestern into anything. I think that they are going to probably try to sling it a little more. Um I think we need to win on first and second down. I've got uh, Northwestern is actually decent at converting third downs. They're uh, 32nd in the nation. They convert 45% of their third downs. And so um, if we can get them off the field and keep them from sustaining drives, I think that's going to be critical to our success. Uh, Other things we've talked about in the past with Nebraska in general, stealing a possession or two with the turnover. um, We're not very good at that. Excuse me. But uh, this feels like a game where, Northwestern could very easily hang around for a very long time. That makes this game feel very uncomfortable, and a turnover could um, keep that keep them keep them away, keep them yeah. out of arms arms reach, um, and I think could really shift uh, momentum at a, at a critical point in this game. And so, um, and then I also have have it down as them just helping win the field field position battle. Okay. So. So my big question when it comes to uh, Nebraska's defense against this Northwestern offense is who's going to be playing quarterback for Northwestern? Yeah. Uh, are we going to have Ben Bryant in or is Sullivan, who played against Howard, who got the start there, going to be their starting quarterback? And Ben Bryant got injured um, in that Penn State game. And so Sullivan got the start against Howard. And Sullivan and Bryant are two vastly different quarterbacks, right? So Ben yeah. Bryant's got a big arm. He's comfortable sitting back there in the pocket. Sullivan is more of a quicker decision maker, and he's not afraid to get outside the pocket, scramble, and and try and make something happen. Not a speed demon, but he's also not afraid to be decisive with his legs. And so to me, it's it's Northwestern has these kind of two different offenses that they're running based on who's quarterbacking. Whereas with Nebraska, you feel like Jeff Sims, yeah, he's got maybe a bigger arm than Harburg, but has the legs like Harburg. So Nebraska's kind of the the same team, depending on who's at quarterback. Yeah. when it comes to Ben Bryant back there at quarterback, what I noticed about him is is he will really sit and camp back there in the pocket. He is he has made the decision like this is my space, and I don't care if the defense is collapsing in on it. I'm not going to leave it, um, and I think that that could play as an advantage to Nebraska because I think Nebraska is going to be able to take away uh, the run game that Northwestern brings into play with Porter and Hyman back there in the backfield. This offensive line hasn't really created much running room for this team uh, and they haven't been able to keep defenders out of the backfield and sacking the quarterback on that. So I think that Ben Bryant in this game actually gives Northwestern a little bit less of a chance to win because it makes them even more 
one dimensional. They don't have the out routes. They don't have the uh, kind of the the scrambling effect of Sullivan. Uh, I think Bryant's going to be back for this game. It, it didn't sound like uh, he was necessarily a hundred percent for Howard, but he could have played if he needed to play. Yeah, I think he was really close. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I think Sullivan kind of got that as an additional week of rest. Braun said, no, we're not resting him an additional week against a, a lesser opponent, but you kind of feel like you could you could argue it was an injury, or, but it could have just been, we are going to give him an extra, you know what I mean? Like yeah. kind of that coach's speak. Um, He really likes, like I said, sit in the pocket, but against Penn State, uh, when he did get injured, he was pressured or hurried on 50% of his dropbacks. This offensive line does not keep the defense off the quarterback. And that's why Sullivan was forced to scramble so much. And his inexperience was like, I'm going to get out of here. I'm not going to take these hits. I'm going to try and make something happen. Um, he's a little more, Sullivan, excuse me, is a little more methodical, tries to open up the game with his legs. He doesn't have the same breakaway speed as a guy like Harburg. So what I would like to see is kind of what we saw against uh, Illinois with Altmaier, where you've got a guy like a John Bullock who you can pull out of the uh, the pass game and let him sit and be that quarterback spy if we do have more of a mobile quarterback in Sullivan. Uh, and just keep an eye on there. And then when he is decisive to throw, let Bullock you know, shoot down and, and get after the quarterback and try and make some disruption there. So I'm just curious, like, who's going to be at quarterback in this game? Yeah, Um yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I think Ben Bryant's going to get the nod. He he was he was close to returning against Howard. They had the bye week just like we did, and so he should be back to full strength. And he's the guy I think that they want to have back there. Um, Sullivan's a fine fill, and he's I think he's played in five five of the six games already for Northwestern. So it's not like he's not like he was just like thrown to the wolves. Um, if you want to call Howard the wolves, um, he's he's got a little experience under his belt, and I think he's serviceable. Um, I think you will still see him probably get some snaps too against Nebraska. I think they'll still try to mix him in because he does offer an added wrinkle uh, back there for their offense. And um, I think any any time uh, if Northwestern really is struggling with Ben Bryant back there, they could easily put Brendan Sullivan in just to see if he sparks something uh, for their offense. I'd be okay. With with Sullivan going in, I think that the way that Nebraska practices against our two starting quarterbacks in in Sims and in Harburg, I think that this defense is well versed and well practiced against this offense. Um, I also think that Nebraska's lateral speed on the defensive front is enough to contain that added wrinkle, so to speak. And I almost kind of welcome it because I think man, I, we, there's a clear mismatch there, especially when you look at like our run defense and our speed and our closing speed. And also the physicality that our secondary brings into the run game. I think all of that plays into favor. Uh, but when you talk about them wanting to open up the passing game, they do have some pretty talented wide receivers. Uh, Cam Johnson is is a great option, as well as Kurtz um, in their wide receiving core. Those guys will go to work. They will make difficult catches in traffic. You watch the Minnesota game where Northwestern came back from a pretty large deficit, and those guys were in there making high traffic catches big plays downfield. And that's where you also got to see Ben Bryant really show off his arm. That's what led them back into that game. Um, the difference there in, in maybe some concern versus feeling more security is I feel like Nebraska's secondary is more physical than Minnesota's secondary is. And so while there was a lot of high traffic, there wasn't a lot of high contention and Nebraska will play more higher contention balls. They will go up and, and try and be more disruptive uh, in that passing game than some of the other opponents Northwestern has seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bryce Kurtz went had 10 catches for 215 yards and two touchdowns in that game against Minnesota. So he, he kind of took over um, Cam Johnson is their leading guy in receptions. He's got over 300 yards 
uh, which places him second on the team. They also have A.J. Hennings, who is a little bit of a gadget guy. Um, he operates as a wide receiver, but you'll see him you know, take some runs as well. Um, it, it is a good group of receivers, like you said, that, that can kind of test Nebraska, and, and any one of these guys I think could have a really nice game. Um, they're not they're not big receivers. There's not going to be a ton of like um, height advantage there, or, or or you know bigger sized bodies that maybe a guy like Hartzog will have to like do jump balls with. I think um, I think Nebraska's secondary actually like matches up really well um, and can go into you know man on man with with each of these receivers and uh, and still be highly successful. Yeah, what what I um, what I also look forward to uh, to seeing in this front is like I, I mentioned earlier is like. Ben Bryant likes to spend time in the pocket. He likes to go through his progressions. And I feel like it actually plays to Nebraska's advantage to have him back there as quarterback because our secondary does match up well with these receivers. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities to get home uh, if we're sending an additional man on a, on a rush package or if we're rushing three or four guys on that uh, defensive front. I think that this offensive line is not going to be able to contain some of the talent Nebraska has. When you see guys like Princewell uh, who are emerging, Cam Lenhart should be back. You've got the polar bear. You've got Ty. You've mm-hmm. got Blaze Gunnarsson. Like you start to think about those, and then the way that Nebraska has been incorporating like MJ Sherman more and more into the blitz, blitz packages, uh, Bullock's been having more success getting home as well. So I think as that defensive front is evolving, and that secondary is also growing, this is going to be a good test for that secondary to assist in coverage to create a lot more coverage sacks as well, because they're going to be bringing some some four-man fronts and they're going to work their way back there and you're going to see a lot of sacks because they're just sitting back there in the pocket and that's the way that Ben Bryant likes to operate he is even on even on like uh, quick routes or you know ones where the the running back is sneaking out and just kind of sitting over the middle he still takes a lot of time to let go of that ball Um, and so this offensive line has really been tested and they're, they're they have to work hard throughout a game oh yeah yeah so I expect Nebraska's defense to uh to earn us a big mac or two uh, nice. This, this like game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was say, yeah, Northwestern had to retool um, the interior of their offensive line going into this year, and they're still definitely dealing with some growing pains, um, not just in pass protection, um, where they do, they give up almost four sacks a game, which is 120th in the nation. Uh, they're also struggling to run the ball. Um, they're only averaging three yards per attempt uh, rushing. And so um, they've got Cam Porter. He's a bigger, bigger back. Um, he's, he's definitely a capable guy. Um, and you mentioned Joseph Hyman, who um, he'll get he'll get some some looks on third down in the passing game as well. Um, but really, they they haven't been able to you know lean on the run game. Uh, I think as much as they probably need to in order to to, to continue to be successful and and get bowl eligible, you know, moving into the back half of their schedule and um, yeah, just like all around, like this just feels like. Nebraska just matches up so well against everything that Northwestern is able to do or where they where they excel. So um but we've also seen Nebraska the defensive front struggle struggle to to generate pressure against some of the the weaker lines that they've faced. So you never really know. Um the other thing I wanted to to note about Northwestern was and this surprised me is last year they averaged 13 points per game. Um, and I, I think they failed to score more than 10 points in like six of their last eight games. Like their offense was abysmal. And this year they're already averaging 22 points per game, um, against some like decent defenses. Like they've played, 
I don't I didn't I don't think I wrote it down, but they like Rutgers is a top twelve scoring defense. Penn State is top three. Um I can't remember if they played Michigan or not, but um they've played they played like three top twelve scoring defenses and they're still averaging twenty some points a game, which is to me that's like that's a great achievement. Sure. You look at Nebraska on the other side, we're we're averaging under twenty points per game. Um and Michigan's the only, you know, top defense that we've played. And so you think about how um how much our offense has struggled um, and who we've played against, and then you look at the opposite side of the ball. Like Northwestern is is not a black hole of a team like I th- like I thought they might be mm-hmm. this year. I think that um, despite their struggles on the offensive line, um, they they have done just enough to compete in a lot of these games and, yeah. and triple their win total from last year already. I mean, they're, they're a team that are being led by a head coach right now who has nothing to lose. They're a team with nothing to lose. Everyone wrote them off. And if they catch that spark, you know, that confidence builds upon itself. We've seen that in in our own team. You know, that, that Iowa win from last year was, was that kind of a thing. This is a team that could have rolled over Nebraska last year. And, you know, they, they chose to go out on a high note. And this is a Northwestern team that might be really liking the, the interim head coach and might be fighting for him to win that head coaching position. And so you never know what you're going to get out of a team like this. It's real easy to sit here and be like, yeah, they're not great. And we have the empirical evidence that proves that, you know, uh, but they're also winning games. They're, they won against a team that we didn't beat. You know, they beat Minnesota yeah. in a huge comeback and an overtime win. And they won it by throwing the ball and playing some stout defense in the in the second half of the game. Uh, but then they turn around and they almost lose to Howard. You know, they have a uh, damn near, I think, a 23 point lead or whatever it was or 16 point lead. And their defense lets them back in. So let's let's switch gears. Let's talk about yeah. Nebraska's offense against this defense. I think obviously, and this is this is you know football one one. The biggest thing Nebraska cannot do is turn the ball over. One hundred percent. Right. This is a game yep. where Nebraska should be in control from kickoff. Um, there's no reason for them not to. The way that they have not had offseason controversy, the way the staff has developed this squad, the talent that is on this team, everything ticks in Nebraska's favor except for the fact that this is a turnover-happy team, and you just cannot have that in a league like the Big Ten West where nothing is certain and everything is fucking insane. <laughs> yeah, when it comes to, to turnovers in Nebraska, when in Nebraska's three wins, their turnover margin is an even zero. Um, so they don't need to win the battle to win the game. They just can't lose just it. Don't lose it, yeah. Um, in losses, they're, they're, negative, they're negative 2.3 um, on average. And so, you know, Northwestern... Um, their defense doesn't isn't a ball hawk defense. They're not they're not turning the ball over either. They they've only got five total turnovers in their six games, and so um, so if Nebraska does have a turnover, you have to think that it's probably a Nebraska mistake more so than you know Northwestern uh, you know playing uh, a, g- a good jump on a ball or something like that. And so um, so that feels like a part of the game that is very much in Nebraska's control in this one. Um, and Nebraska can really dictate, um, you know, how this whole thing shapes up. And I think that's true across the board. That's kind of kind of what I've, I've got written out here. Aside from protecting the ball, I think controlling the clock is a big one. Um, Northwestern is not a big time of possession team. Um, Nebraska is in their wins. They, they've held on to the ball for 35-plus minutes on average in their wins, which is top 10 in the country. In their losses, they've only had it for 27 minutes on average, which is near, you know, bottom 100. Like, um, when Nebraska is able to control the ball um, and control the game, that's that's how they, 
eke out these wins. Sure. And I think that this this game is going to be the same thing. And so, um, you know, the the best way to control the ball and to control the clock and protect it is to run it, right? Like mm-hmm. instead of throwing it. <laughs> um, and I think that's and this is another example where where Nebraska really lines up very well against Northwestern in that in that matchup. Um, if you if you had to pick a strength on Northwestern's defense, it would be in pass protection um, in their secondary. And uh, Nebraska is going to want to run the ball, which is the thing that Northwestern allows other teams to do. They're giving up 172 yards per game. Um, they've allowed 15 rushing touchdowns on the season already. They allow almost four and a half yards per rush. We know that Nebraska um, averages, I think, close to five uh, per rush. And so, um, and then Northwestern also really struggles, I think, with the quarterback run game. Uh, when they played Duke, Duke's quarterback had almost 100 yards rushing against them and, and a couple of touchdowns. And so, um, I think Nebraska is going to be able to do what they want in this game. I think that they can drop a pretty simple game plan. Uh, which is run the ball, let your quarterback, let, you know, I'm, I, I'm assuming it's going to be Harburg again um, until we see Sims back out there. Um, but let your... <laughs> what a take. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I think it's going to be like, this guy until it's this guy. <laughs> no, no, not... It will be the obviously. Well, I said, I'm assuming that. I'm assuming that Harburg is just, our starter. You just said... Right. <laughs> no, let me... Re- I know. What I, I don't want to shit on you, but you said, I think no, we're going to no. see Harburg until we see Sims. Well, yeah, that's not what I said. I said, I'm going to assume that it's Harburg until we see Tim. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's funny. That's fair. No, I get what I get what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. okay. Until proven otherwise or until given reason Harburg's not a to. Starter. Harburg's a starter. He's okay. got more yeah. wins under his belt. You know, he's three and one as a starter and Sims is 0 and two and was turnover heavy. Yeah. Granted, he was taken out due to injury, as we all know what the storyline is. But Harburg has shown that he can win games in this league. He can win them ugly, um, and he can win them less ugly. Yeah, and and that's kind of how you have to play ball right now. That's how most of this league is playing ball right now. So, I I don't think that there's there's reason enough to take him out, especially going into a game like this. I could see maybe when you get into a game like um, maybe Michigan State, maybe a Maryland, where the passing game is going to be. Uh, more crucial because Nebraska may find themselves behind and we need to score quicker. But when you also look at this offense, Harburg has shown that his legs are just as effective as a quick strike offense um, as his arm or as anyone's arm. So I'm with you. I get what you're yeah, saying. Okay. It, was just, <laughs> it was funny. It was funny the way you phrased you. it. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, um, I think that, I think that Harburg could very well have himself a game here. I'd love to see it. Yeah. I really believe it. Um, I, it's just, it's lining up in that in that way no and then if it's if sims is the is 100 percent healthy and that's the way that they want to go i think the same thing i think sims um you know could, could rip off some big big runs here against this defense and and it, and it could be a, a good confidence boost for sims and i don't mean that in the sense that like nebraska is going to you know win this game by 50 and i don't mean confidence boost on that front but i do think that this is the kind of game where you can rely on the quarterback run and so if you say hey you know sims you're going to see a good amount of playing time we're going to go between two quarterbacks you know, Harburg's conditioning gets brought up quite a bit uh, by this staff. You know, we don't want him to be exhausted by the end of this because the quarterback run is going to be such a big part of it. So you better hang on to the damn ball. And Sims could have some success running the ball and holding on to the ball. And that's how you rebuild the confidence, right? Like the wins and losses may not matter as much as being successful with not turning the ball over. And that could be a confidence builder. So that's what I mean by this could be a confidence boosting game. 
um, for Sims is is a team that's not as turnover happy on defense that's creating those kind of turnovers. This is the kind of game maybe you could get more comfortable um, just being operational. Yeah. But I, I I I like what you said about their secondary being a strength, and I and I agree with that. I also disagree with that. Okay. So I'm kind of both. Um, I think their coverage is good. I don't think their tackling is good, and I don't think that they're a physical enough secondary in the way that Nebraska likes to want, run its wide receivers, in the way that our wide receivers fit into the run game. There's been evidence every single game of our wide receivers just being dogs and fighting for every yard on blocks and things like that. And Northwestern has shown kind of time and time again in their coverage that they like to give a little space and then collapse and try and contain the ball. And I think that's where they find success um, in their secondary. So I like the way that Nebraska's wide receivers match up in this front where they can go out and be physical in the run game and tire out this North. Like in a Northwestern defense that likes to keep separation on their wide receivers and then close, this is one where Nebraska is going to be running into contact and trying to create contact on that front and out physical this defense and I think once you get past that first level and you start attacking the secondary in the run game I do think that that's where this game opens up I think that's where we see the fatigue and we see that this could be one of those games where um, Nebraska starts off you know wanting to run the ball and they assert themselves and then we see maybe that middle eight that Matt Rule likes to talk about we open up the game with a couple of of you know nice pass plays or, or chunk pass plays where we start to see kind of the piling on um or, or this offense really kind of emerge and play above their their season average. So I like how that matches up. And then I think, again, you come back after half, you win the the fourth quarter by just running it down their throat. And I think this is a, a prime opportunity to do so and not to shy away from who Nebraska wants to be. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, if we, if we can get into chunk plays, like where we're really starting to um, throw some haymakers, that would be pretty incredible. Um, you know, we haven't been able to do that a lot as an offense, um, especially in the past game. Like we've had a few here and there, but never consistently. Um, Northwestern is not a, a defense that's going to give up a lot of those explosive plays either. Um, they do play pretty soft coverage. Like they will allow you to complete passes. Right. Um, most most teams don't have to throw too much on them to win. They, they, they'll come in with the game plan to run. Um but, but yeah, Northwestern will allow you to complete passes and, and they'll give up a good amount of yards. It's just that they, yeah, they're just soft. They're, they'll give up, you know, a dink and dunk kind of kind of things, which I, which I think Nebraska's defense has done for um, a few years. We've kind of lived through some of that too. And so, um, they're, yeah, they're, I mean, I, I think they're, they're serviceable. I think they're, I think they're good. And like I said, I think that if you had to pick a strength on the defense, that's where it would be. Um, just for that reason that they, they execute that game plan pretty well. But um, I, I don't know. I don't know if Nebraska is going to really get to a point in this one where they are really opening things up. Um, I think it's going to be another scrappy one, which is just with the way that these teams play historically with the way that Nebraska's offense has, has had some dysfunctional moments. Um, Northwestern, I think, is going to come in with a good good amount of confidence. Um, believing that they can win this one, and, and they've got a lot on the line um, in terms of of reaching bowl eligibility. Like this, with the way that their schedule lines up, Nebraska is almost a must win for them, um, and one of those few teams left on their schedule that they um, have a puncher's chance against. And so, um, you know, I think I think we're going to get their best shot, and and I would be I'd be thrilled if if we got to a point where Nebraska was 
uh, you know, ripping off some yards in the past game. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to push back on that. I, I think that in the Minnesota game, I think in the Illinois game, you get into that, that middle portion of the game where it's like late in the second, early in the third. And Satterfield is always trying to open up the game in some way or another. And again, I've talked about this, that I think it's my theory is this is what they want this offense to be able to do in three years. So we're going to try and make them do it in the first year. So I could see this being a game where, yeah, they have dominance and you think, okay, they could just run the ball, go into half, maybe kick a field goal or something like that, but they're going to be the aggressors. And I think that we've seen that time and time again with this offense that Satterfield wants to be able to do that. I think rule wants to be able to have an offense that can strike like that. And if you've got any sort of buffer or if the game is within reach, I think they're going to be the aggressors on that front. And I think that this is a good opportunity to do that. If you've been aggressive early on with your wide receivers, blocking hard against the secondary and being physical against the secondary and tiring the secondary out. I think you could find yourself early on with a, 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 a defeated feeling secondary that you can maybe attack. And this could be that game where we finally see, okay, those three pass plays in a row on a, on an offensive series that typically and, and historically have ended in a, in a three and out, we might convert um, in the way that this, our offense pairs up against this defense. I like your confidence. I, wish. I don't know that it's. I don't know that it's confidence. It's just we've seen that now, time and time again. That around the same time in the game, we take an aggressive shot. We we take an aggressive series, and it hasn't converted yet. Right. So I wonder, like, with time to prepare, looking at this defense with the bye week, do they come out with something in the middle of that game? And they're like, "This is a practice." Like, you come out with your scripted series to begin with. We might have something scripted for the middle of the game here where we know that we want to get Fedoni the ball out in space. We know that we want to get Billy Kemp out in space, um, and we want to convert those plays because they've been there. The ball just hasn't been pulled in. For whatever reason, they're tipped or they're overthrown, or maybe there's a little pressure they weren't anticipating, and it wasn't picked up or something like that. The, the, the plays have been there. The receivers have been open. The ball just hasn't been delivered, or there's just been drops. I mean, let, let's not kid ourselves. Like We don't have a world-beating wide receiver core or receiving core, um, and so sometimes just like good passes hit the ground. Yeah. I, but but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them continue to fight towards that because Rule is the kind of guy who's like, no, we're going to play the way we want to play. We're not going to worry about the result. We're going to worry about trying to just fucking do it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not going to disagree in, the, in that. Like, I could see him still fighting to, to and sticking to their game plan. Like, sticking to that, yes. Um, but when you're, you know, when you're this uh, injury-riddled on offense, at the, especially the receiver position um and you're looking at having you know three true freshmen um playing some serious snaps uh, with two catches between them in their career um you know and and the guys that you named Fedoni and Kemp and then uh Bullock out there like they've they've each had games where they've you know they've been the guy the the go-to guy and, and it just hasn't been consistent enough sure um and from from all from everybody right like from the from the line from the quarterbacks from the receivers from the tight ends like it's the the consistency just hasn't been there and so um it it could happen like there could be a game and this very well could be it where everything kind of clicks um and i and i think yeah i I think that we see maybe that one game this year where everything just kind of like comes together like they've been pounding on this this idea um and this identity and they've been pounding it into shape, and eventually, I think we do get to see it with a with a measured amount of consistency. I just, I, I, I haven't seen it yet, and so I don't. Sure. I'm not. I don't think that um, I've, we've seen the attempts. Yeah. And I, just, I don't think that those attempts um, 
are going to stop. I think that the, and, and so I guess maybe it's hope in that sense, like you said, mm-hmm. you know, you'd like to to have that kind of hope. My, my hope is that eventually it's going to convert. And if it doesn't convert coming out of a two week, you know, bye week against a soft secondary that struggles to tackle and doesn't play as physical, then I don't think it's going to happen against, you know, a, a Purdue team that's led by a Ryan Walters or um, a Michigan State team that is going to really be playing with nothing to lose. Uh, and then when you get into the Wisconsin's and the Iowa's, when it's really getting physical, like mm-hmm. if you're not able to start building the confidence in this being able to convert now, it's not going to happen. And so I just I want to see that, and and I think that that has the potential at this point to happen. Okay, I, yeah, like I said, I hope so. I think that would be I think that'd be incredible. I think this is of all the games left on the schedule, this is the one where if it's going to happen, this would be it. So the last thing I want to talk about um, on Northwestern's defense. Um, is I'm still impressed by their ability to be the aggressors on third down. Um, they're not afraid to dial up some interesting looking blitzes to send a few extra guys to try and get home. And I appreciate that in a in a time where, you know, there's a lot of just questions on how this team is going to perform, that they don't shy away from what Northwestern has been, which is a sound defensive team. Whether they have been that this year or not, uh, they're still the aggressors on that third down. And so I do like that kind of aggression they play with and that kind of intensity that they play with. So I think that's something else Nebraska needs to look out for that even if they're feeling comfortable, uh, don't uh, don't feel like this game can't be turned around by a quick turnover off a blitz or a blindside sack or something like that where the ball pops out. I think that to me is where I'm most concerned with this defense is uh, where where they choose to attack from on third down and if Nebraska's prepared for it. If they're feeling comfortable, if Nebraska's feeling like, hey, we got this, I think Northwestern has the ability um, and the confidence to turn things around on a dime uh, and and be a team that nobody expected them to be on Saturday. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything to add to that. Other, I mean, winning first and second down is going to be critical. And, um, you know, Northwestern is just as, I think they measure equal with, with Nebraska in terms of what they uh, – what they do on third down and what they allow offenses to convert on. So, um, yeah, they're, they're tough there. Um, but I think Nebraska can win those third down battles by winning first and second, you know, just don't put yourself in a shitty position. Well, yeah, I, I too would like to be able to say, (laughs) (laughs) I know it's so that's pretty typical talk, but like it, it's, there's sometimes where it's like that stuff really like stands out and with certain teams and like, Where where they almost they play to these cliches and that's kind of what Nebraska and Northwestern. Says. I mean this matchup this so when they when they got into the whole like protected rivalries sort of situation like I would fight for this one as a protected rivalry because I love the way that Nebraska Northwestern they always tend to play to each other's ability. I also like when Nebraska fans go to Ryan Field and it gets turned into like Memorial <laughs> Stadium <laughs> Junior. Um, which, if you would have told me that they seat 6,000, I would have believed you. Knowing that they seat, like, almost 30,000 is insane. I don't I, I don't buy that. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. But I, re- I really like this matchup. I look forward to it every year. Um, just because it is one of those games where nothing is predictable. Um, and it's always weird. With, with these yeah, I know. You love, you love the chaos of it. I really I do. cannot stand like. This would be, I would never protect this rivalry. Really? Ever. Just because it's so... Be- yeah, like, I don't want to see this every year. I don't want to go through this every year where... <laughs> we do. You, since Nebraska's joined 
the Big Ten? Do you know what our record is against Northwestern? Oh, it's got to be damn near split. It is. It's exactly it's six and six. Yeah. Um, how do you not? How would you not? That's a rivalry. That's my guy. That is exactly what a rivalry is. No rivalry. No, that's just that's just Nebraska playing shitty football for twelve years, and against a bunch of nerds. Yeah, God, it sucks. It's just it's a hard pill to swallow. Honestly, that's all it is. I'm just bitter. Um, Northwestern though has never never beaten Nebraska by more than one score. In really, those, in those six wins, eight eight points is the most. Um, I think Nebraska's only beat Northwestern by more than. Two scores, three times. Yeah. So they do play a shitload of close games. And I mean, to me, that's that's great. Where you can go into a game, it's completely unpredictable every time. It's an even split. People can, you can dislike the other fan base for exactly two hours and 30 minutes. And then afterwards, you just walk away. I don't know. I love that. There's something about that. Obviously, I love See, hating but then it. That, no, 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 that's on. where the rivalry, there is no rivalry. If you can just like, meh, whatever, at the end, then... Like I have no, I have no feelings of animosity towards Northwestern, despite like the record against them. And really, despite the way that we, I it's whatever. It's Northwestern. It's like this is a fucking blemish on the history of Nebraska football. I circle that we this are date move on, on my calendar <laughs> every year. I love this game. I love the battle for NU. Yeah, I really do. Oh man, well I'm excited for you to have a really great Saturday. <laughs> well, yeah. So special teams. Uh, any any thoughts on on this special teams matchup? I have a few. Okay, I've I've just got two two I little have, notes. I guess I have a couple. Then I have two as oh. well. <laughs> Fucking semantics today. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, when you say I have a few, it makes it sound like you have like a, a nice little like list, a litany. I know. Of no, I know. To, okay, I've Look, got. Two. I fucked up too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have Henning is a is a good return man. Okay. He's not done anything too crazy yet this year. Yeah. He's a good return man who never returns <laughs> never the ball. Done any, he's not never done anything. He, like, he averages like 26 yards on his kick returns. Like He's he's a decent return man. Um, it's just he hasn't you know ripped off like anything crazy. He's just consistent. Yeah. Um, so you know containing him, no, no breakdowns there. And then uh, I think Nebraska is going to have an opportunity to be aggressive on their own kick returns. So um, Hopefully they only have to deal with one one kick return and it's you know the start of a half, um, but Northwestern doesn't have they don't have a big leg at kick they allow a lot of returns. Um, Nebraska as we know they're not going to fair catch and take free the free yards they're going to fight for everything and and be aggressive there and so they're hopefully they'll have at least one opportunity to uh, show what they can do. Okay, so the the second thing you said. I also have written down. I think Nebraska is going to be able to disrupt and make a player two on special teams. Okay. I think that's on both sides of the ball. I think both on the return and I also could see uh, potentially a pump block or some sort of disruption on that front uh, as well. I, I also think that the way that Nebraska plays physically on special teams and what we've seen Nebraska pull out of their back pocket, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a fake or two should the situation call for it. Um, I disagree with you about Henning being uh, <laughs> yeah. anything. And and I want to call attention to the opening kickoff against Howard. Okay. The ball was kicked by Howard to the 20-yard line. There was 10 yards of separation when Henning caught the ball, and he fair caught the ball. He could have, he could have gotten an extra, like, 10 yards, and they fair caught. So... Yeah, but you got. I mean, look what your competition. You're up against Howard, Howard who they <laughs> lost, who they beat by three points. Yeah, it's not even school. It's just a bunch of dudes named Howard running out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, I am not um, the way that Nebraska has played coverage on special teams. Uh, I like again how aggressive they are 
in in the punt coverage, in the kickoff coverage, and all of that. Northwestern does not seem to be a team um, that is going to use that to their advantage. It's one of those like receive the ball and just hold on to possession. So I'd like to see Nebraska be aggressive on that front and maybe have that be something where we steal a possession um, or or we cause some sort of disruption on special teams. I hope this is how petty I am. I hope that Henning has a huge fucking return, like a huge return. And I hope he fumbles it like <laughs> I hope he goes like 70 yards and then gets popped from behind by like Phelan Sanford and, and fumbles it and they get Nebraska gets the ball. I don't want anything bad to happen in Nebraska. OK, but I want to be right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're, you feel petty towards Northwestern and you don't think it's a rivalry? <laughs> I feel petty towards you. <laughs> All right. Uh, predictions. Okay. You want to go? You want to go first? Do, I'll do mine. I'll do mine. Okay. Mine's yeah. not very long, so. Okay. Mine's not. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. All right. For the second time this year, Nebraska welcomes a directional school from Illinois into Memorial Stadium and will square off against a team from the land of Lincoln for the third time overall. But this showdown between the two NUs is all about firsts. First he- first year head coaches squaring off for the first time. Nebraska clinging to an outside shot of finishing first in the West. Battling to get above, above 500 for the first time this year. Keeping hope alive for its first bowl game in seven years. But most importantly, this is my son's first chance to be a part of the Sea of Red. Aww. His first time witnessing the tunnel walk. His first time looking up wide-eyed at the flyover and fireworks. His first time screaming himself silly with 90,000 other fans. His first time smashing on a stadium runza or a Valentino's or a Fairbury or maybe all three. And above all else, uh, it's his first time attending a Nebraska win. The good guys, 21, Purple Pansies, 10. Nice. There's your 11 points. Yeah, that's my 11. Yep. Son's going to his first game. His first, yeah. He's been to spring game uh, before but never an actual game. And He's so, so excited. I bet he is. He is pretty, pumped. pretty fucking pumped up. Yeah. 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 And uh, it, everything's like aligned perfectly for us to get him out there this year. And um, I'm like, I'm probably more excited than he is. Like bringing him to his first game and yeah. getting, getting to just, um, again, like it, it's the, the things that we, that we do and experience in life are like infinitely better when we get to experience them with people we love. Um, and, and he, is he's a passionate little fan yeah um watching games he likes to he mimics a lot like he'll he'll watch what i'm doing and then he'll do that um which is you know sometimes good and sometimes bad but mostly just kind of funny um but i'm i don't know i'm I'm excited i'm very excited to experience i'll be with him and my wife and um my cousin who listens uh to this podcast uh she it was her idea and she's gonna bring her daughter who is also my son's age and i think it's her daughter's first game as well so yeah, just a lot of lot of like fucking awesome things to look forward to. That's uh, so great. Yeah. Uh, wait. So I'm, fucking don't blow this, Nebraska. <laughs> don't ruin this day for me and my family. Well, we we <laughs> we did confirm based on our personal assumptions that Rule does listen. So hopefully he yeah. he heard that uh, <laughs> that things do not get fucked up. Uh, are you guys? Do you have anything in particular that you're like? I want him to like. Are you going to walk down next to the field before kickoff and like when the players are warming up and like all that are you gonna have him like in his seat for tunnel walk or try and be by the tunnel like no, do you have any- yeah well i mean we'll probably be up in the seats by then we're, we're way like way up um but i don't have anything anything in particular planned um okay. but only because if it was like just me and him i would i would i would know what i was gonna do but it's yeah. because we've got so many other people with us um i don't know what i don't know how that's all gonna shake out okay so 
we'll see. I hope you guys have a great time. It'll be a fantastic, full, uh, memorable experience. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope he has a wonderful time. Thank you. I look forward to hearing all about it next week. I really do. Yeah. I'm very excited for you. Thank you. All right. Here's my prediction. All right. I don't care what happens as long as one thing happens. Do you want to know what that one thing is? I want Anthony Grant to body a member of Northwestern Secondary. The score could be 80 to nothing in favor of Nebraska, and if he doesn't break one off up the sideline and lower the boom on some liability at corner, (laughs) can you really count it as a win? So I predict, although Northwestern will most likely fly into Lincoln, someone on their roster is going to take a trip to the ground on the A train. You might be thinking, Ben, why not save the train metaphors for Purdue the following week? (laughs) To you, I say, I plan on Emmett Johnson clearing the tracks on October 28th just the same. Nebraska 34, Northwestern 13. Wow. I think it's going to be okay. I think it's going to be a high score for Nebraska. That's a yeah, that's a big number. Yeah, um, it is. And I want it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I waffled on um adding a few extra points too. Just just because I feel like um this is a game where Nebraska could steal a score on defense or special teams. That'd be great. And just kind of inflate that number, or or yeah, put put um, put themselves in a really good spot to have like really short field position, yeah, and take advantage of it this time, like they did not against the, Illinois. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, things have been kind of everything has been a progression this mm-hmm. season, right? Like field position sucked early on in the season, and turnover sucked, and we weren't able to get the offense going, and we weren't able like so much stuff wasn't clicking early on, and yet we still found our ourselves in a position to win against Minnesota. And then we go into the Colorado game, and a lot of those same things are, are are happening there. But the defense is holding true, like they're they're being who they should be. And then we get into NIU, and we get into La Tech, and some of those issues are are starting to be resolved. And then we get run into the buzzsaw in uh, in Michigan, and then we get into Illinois, and we're seeing more and like the field position thing got better. The run game is starting to see true. The defense really is who the defense is uh, against similar, if not lesser, competition. So I, I think that things could progress as as the back half of the season comes on, especially with the two weeks. The bye week couldn't come, I think, at a better time, being right down the middle. You get to reassess what's really going on and, and say, hey, there's a reason to be bought in. You know, th- this team is outperforming the past five years and we're only six games in. So let's let's be dialed in and, and let's help this offense grow and stuff like that. So I could see this being uh, a game where that confidence just continues on. Um, and and I really think that uh, that this could be the first three game win streak we see in a long time. And, and in order for it to be three, we got to get to two, and that's Saturday. Yeah, very cool. So I like it. I like it too, man. Yeah, I think uh, I think we should send this one home. Does that sound good to you? Let's do it. All right. Well, that does it for this week. We want to thank everyone who tuned into this week's episode. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Wannabe Walk-Ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Remember to do your part. Drink local beer wherever you are. You can find more information on Jukes Aleworks by visiting their website at jukesaleworks.com. If you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendation. Thanks again for listening. Join us next week as we recap the Northwestern game, preview Purdue, and sample some more Nebraska brews. Thanks for listening, and as always, drink Big Red. Drink Big Red. Drink Big Red.